You're listening to the Family Discipleship Podcast, a podcast of training the church. A Groundhog's Day resource is really what the church needs yes. right now. If you think about it, Clayton, think about it. February 2nd, it's kind of beginning of a month. Yeah. Let's go. I'm writing that down. Groundhog's right now. resolutions. Think about it. Instead of making it just 25 readings from the New Testament or that are just focused on those, the Christmas story, what if we told the story of the Bible, started at the beginning, and then end it around where Jesus is born, but showed this wasn't a surprise, this wasn't a new thing, God's presence with us has actually been the point all along. I think there is a significant amount of power in year-over-year rhythms that kind of build into your life in terms of orienting your life to the story that God's telling and not just the story that the commercials that we see are telling. All right, this is Adam Griffin, and I'm here with my incredible, festive co-host, Mrs. Cassie Christmas Bryant. How are you doing today, Cassie? Oh, I'm doing great. If any of my friends are listening, they feel like you don't know me right now because I am not very festive. Our first Christmas tree that we bought was in 2016. We've been married eight years before we bought a Christmas tree. I just want to clarify, are you saying that I don't know you well and that you and I are not friends? That like, Well, that you just call me festive. Oh, well, I was trying to... Um, I do have a platter that says happy everything. (laughs) That's that's the extent of like my decor. (laughs) Well, somebody who's probably wrapped her gifts for Christmas around Easter, Chelsea Griffin. How are you doing today, Chelsea? I'm doing good. Excited to be here. I have not wrapped any Christmas gifts. I normally get everything done after midnight on Christmas Eve. (laughs) That is true. But Chelsea is so generous as a mom to our kids on Christmas. I love it. I love it. Well, today we're going to be talking about Advent. We're talking about Christmas. Yeah, when you're listening to this, yes, It's early. We'll talk about that in a second. But it's because we want you to be prepared for this Advent, not just listening in the midst of it. And so we have with us our guests today, Mr. Clayton and Mr. Chris. We're so glad you guys are here with us today. Advent Blocks. Uh, But Clayton, Chris, how are you guys doing? We're doing great. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, we're, We're so excited to be here and and talk about training the church, talk about family discipleship. Um, It's something that we care about a lot, so it's an honor to be here. Awesome. Well, as we get started, uh, Chris and Clayton, could you guys tell us a little bit about each of your families, just about who you guys are personally? Are you guys dads? Are you guys husbands? Yeah, uh, I'm I'm both of those. Uh, We're both of those, but I'll let Chris speak more to his specifics. Um, I'm married to Kristen. Uh, We've been married for 14 years. We met in college, uh, did, did grad school at the same time in the same place. And then after a while, Kara came along. Um, she was our firstborn. She is now 10. And then it was Susan. She is eight. We live in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, they're in third and fourth grade. It's, uh, we love them. Uh, we just moved. So that's a little, little fun tidbit as well. Uh, I also am a, a husband and a dad. So my wife's name is Jen. We've been married for 16 years. I, we've got a pair of kids. They are eight and four. Our eight-year-old daughter named Lottie. And then our four-year-old son is is Teddy. So they're a blast. It's really a sweet spot, I think. I don't know. I haven't seen what life with like a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old is. But I feel like when they're old enough to do a few things, but not yet old enough to start to think that your jokes are unfunny, it's just a wonderful zone. <laughs> and that's where we are right now. 
That's so great. Well, I'm really excited to have you guys on because there's a couple of really important questions we need answered, and I know our listeners need to know, but I, I'm sure Cassie and Chelsea, you guys will have opinions on this as well. When is it okay to set up your Christmas tree? Like, when is it okay to actually decorate? Cassie, it sounds like in your house, the answer is never. Like, you guys don't even celebrate Christmas? Is that... I know there... Literally, there are some Christian families who don't do that. But Cassie, you don't you don't celebrate Christmas? You're the Grinch? Uh, well, like the Grinch, my heart has grown and thawed. Oh. Um, and so since my youngest was born, we have now... We do decorate every year for Christmas. And we wait until after Thanksgiving. Our tradition is the day after Thanksgiving, we go to the Christmas tree farm that I actually went into labor at with my third child. Wait, we so you even, delivered a baby in a Christmas no, tree farm no. and you're not festive? Labor began. That might explain why I'm not festive. I might have something <laughs> against the Christmas tree farm, Adam. Uh, no, my labor started at the farm. I was like, hurry up, guys. Um, the baby's coming. Uh, and so we go to the same Christmas tree farm and uh, every year the day after and we set up. And we typically that Sunday night, we set the tree up and then we will have our um, lovely single friends over for Decorating spaghetti and we watch Elf. Decorating spaghetti. That sounds wonderful. No, decorating the house, eating spaghetti. Oh, eating and spaghetti. Elf. Do you put maple syrup on it? Uh, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's not a true Elf spaghetti meal. Chelsea, you know our house. When is it okay to set up for Christmas? Do we judge? There's no judgment. Uh, we have a dear friend in our home group whose house is already 100% decked out for Christmas. And yep. I'm not Are mad we recording at her. in October, by the way. In yeah, October. This- she's done. <laughs> Yeah. And she's our kids minister and she is uh, super festive and she loves it. There's there's nothing to nothing to judge. There is nothing to judge. Uh, she loves it. We don't go too crazy with our house. So, I mean, we do, we like to do it the day after Thanksgiving. It's fun with the kids. It's it's a good time, but I wouldn't say it's uh, over no. the top. And there's nobody in our house like champing at the bit to get the house decorated. It's like, what are we going to do on the day after Thanksgiving? Let's, let's just, we got time. Let's do it. My girls made us decorate for Halloween. So we currently have lime green, like cutouts of, of paper looking like slime coming down the windows. That's how we oh. do it. We decorate. And then pipe cleaner spiders. I actually, I, I have a little bit more of a hot take on Halloween decoration. I apologize, Cassie. I'm, I'm, I'm for your festiveness of Halloween, but I was a little bit sad at how Halloween and Christmas really kind of squeeze out Thanksgiving. I feel like yeah. Thanksgiving gets like no love in like the decoration land. Like, I mean, I you got the straw, the pumpkin that stays there, but now all the pumpkins kind of <laughs> get the Halloween texture to them. Yeah, uh, and it, I, we are a also uh, right after Thanksgiving, day after Thanksgiving decoration. But I'll just throw this out there for the controversy: artificial tree people all the way. So we're not yes. going to to the, uh, the the farm to get it or to the corner lot if you live in a city. You know, we're, we're just bringing it down from the attic. Like Clayton, it. I am on the exact same page. We use the exact same tree every year and it is up in a couple moments. Nobody's chopping anything down. Although I'm, I'm for the experience. I'm not against it. Although I would love to see, Clayton, I know you just moved into a new house, how you're going to decorate for Thanksgiving this year. Are you going to have some stuff out in the yard? Is there like a, a big turkey that you guys are going to put out there? Are you dressing up? I greatly appreciate the question because I have a hot take, but I actually don't have a solution yet. So I'm actually, (laughs) I'm going to have to, I appreciate the challenge to workshop that. I mean, no, I think, I think that like pumpkins that are not made into jack-o'-lanterns on, we have a podcast as well. And we actually think that we're going to start pushing squashes 
Oh. So like not like pumpkin spice latte, but maybe a squash spice latte, or I don't know. At least decorating with them, gorbs. Just I don't know, gorbs. Have, well, well, I'm gonna workshop this, and I'll get back. We're gonna get some okay. some corn on the front porch as well. I don't know. Maybe like a a cornucopia would be nice. Maybe out in the yeah. front yard. Just a that's an underused word, and it's a beautiful thing. Just putting out a giant cornucopia, and yeah. I'd like it if. Maybe you left it up too long. Like maybe it was Christmas and you're like, oh, our Thanksgiving decorations are still up. You know, just really living that dream. Cassie, what's that make you think of? I was just thinking of that. Isn't in Hunger Games, there a giant cornucopia in the middle before? No. Oh, is there? I can't remember. I read it a long time ago. That is a a giant cornucopia. That's that's a great cultural reference. I read Hunger Games every Thanksgiving because of the cornucopia. (laughs) We actually, hey, so we actually, two years ago, when we were doing the decoration, somehow like right before the decoration, we're kind of cleaning things up, cleaning out the pantry, doing some different things. And we have one of those couches from Ikea that you can flip the angle of like where the, the corner is. And uh, we would flip it and we watched Hamilton. I mean, it, it had just come out. And so we were watching Hamilton. And then the very next year, our daughter Susan was like, hey, so when are we watching Hamilton and doing the decoration of the tree? So apparently that's like <laughs> our Christmas Thanksgiving. It's a tradition, tradition now. Watching Hamilton and putting up the tree. Well, that's awesome. Well, if you looked at the title of this episode, it's called Advent Blocks. We're talking about Advent Blocks. You might have thought that what we're doing is t- uh, advertising maybe that you should block Advent from your life or maybe get a nice uh, <laughs> virus blocker on your computer that keeps you from being exposed to any Advent information. But actually, the opposite. Let's talk about how to celebrate Advent. Cassie, kick us off. Yeah. Well, let's ask first, what is an Advent block and where did this idea come from? Uh, an advent block is uh, a, a solution to a problem that our then five-year-old Kara pointed out. Um, it was 2018, and it was December 23rd, and she said, Mom and Dad, you say that Christmas is all about Jesus, but it feels like Christmas is all about presents. So, Ooh, isn't that horrible? That's good. Yeah. The out of the mouth of babes, I guess. So, um, <clears throat> like a knife in the back. We couldn't do anything at that point. It's December 23rd. Fast forward the next year in November, I kind of like doing a little bit of woodworking. So I drew up a couple of blocks and pieces of wood that could move around, something that would be in the center of the home, tangible enough that the girls could play with and kind of would somehow visually create an anticipation for the 25th, not just about presents, but about about Jesus. Um, And so I drew a couple of options. My wife, Kristen, pointed at the one in the middle and said, you should do that one and you should call it Advent Blocks. And that's literally what you know today. The the next morning, I texted my friend Chris, and uh, I said, Chris, can you write a guide, Um, an Advent guide for us to do? And he said, that sounds great. And I said, well, I'll bring you blocks next week. And he said, what blocks? So anyway, it was five families that first year. (laughs) Chris was sometimes writing the same day what we were reading that night in in 2019. So it was was super fun. Will you describe the blocks? So are they like, um, do they... Do they change as you like uh, roll them over or are there uh, like, are there uh, how many days are in Advent? Is it usually 25? 25. That's an interesting question. You should ask Chris that one. Four weeks, 25 days. We're not sure, but we do 25 days. Uh, You get 27 blocks. 25 of them have numbers on it. The way it works is you line them up on a mantle or on a kind of a bed frame or on the floor or whatever. We hand them to your kids and let them just go crazy. Uh, One through 25 on top of the one is a star. On the top of the 25 is a globe. 
every day you take the number of the day and you turn it and it reveals an image that corresponds to the story that's being told in the book that we provide. 25 days worth of, of stories going all throughout the Bible. And so every day you turn the block and you move the star to sit on the top of that block. You turn the block and you nice. move the star to sit on top of that block. And so it does create this visual anticipation as the star moves closer and closer. It's a representation of God coming to earth, which is really what the the whole guide is about. It kind of creates that anticipation. On, on the 24th, this is kind of a special thing. There's a big reveal. You turn all of the blocks one more time, and it actually spells out Emmanuel, God with us, kind of a, a phrase that kind of encapsulates that, that entire story. That's great. So Chris, it sounds like you did a lot of the development on the theological side and the kind of um, the resources that go alongside it. Tell us a little bit about, about that aspect of what you guys are doing uh, beyond just the, the physical blocks themselves. Yeah, I actually really love the idea of the physical box on their own. I, when Clayton said, I want to do an Advent thing with our kids, I was thrilled. I love Advent, you know, reading, going through the story of Christmas and all that. And initially, the block idea was what set it apart. Just this idea that even if there isn't any content to this, having something tactile is just, it's such a wonderful way for people with different learning experiences, particularly kids, to be drawn in. That said, I, I really felt like this was a challenge to make the content of each of those given days stand alone in a way that's that was beautiful and meaningful. So the challenge I took for this was, what if we took these 25 days, instead of making it just 25 readings from the New Testament or that are just focused on those, the Christmas story, what if we told the story of the Bible, started at the beginning, and then end it around where Jesus is born? And track this theme of God's presence, of God with us, which is the Christmas point. That's the, the beautiful thing about Christmas, but showed this wasn't a surprise. This wasn't a new thing. God's presence with us has actually been the point all along. And the main problem in a lot of the Old Testament is the sense that why is God not here? Why is life so hard? What does it mean for God to be with us? Um, which So that's, that's what I you know, tackled this with, and I, we were really pleased with where it ended up because, because um, I, I think instead of just the tactile resource, we also have something that says, wow, I, I can see God's presence as something that's valuable and as something that kind of animates all of scripture. Yeah, I'd like to take the opportunity to oversell what Chris does. Chris is a brilliant author. Uh, he does an amazing job. You know, we say the sweet spot is kind of like three to 13, um, but what you'll note is if you have a 10 year old and the 10 year old is engaging, but you have a 16, 17 year old, they'll stick around and listen to the stories. He writes that well. Uh, and, um, every year there's one of the stories that gets me. There's a tear that comes to my eye that, that, that he kind of takes the, a simple story, uh, and makes it insanely meaningful for everyone who is listening. Mm -hmm. He also included, uh, there's this part that we do, uh, called, we, he calls it a refrain because that is what it is. But that first day when I called him, I was like, there needs to be something that is repeated. Uh, our girls were reading the um, <clears throat> Magic Treehouse series at the time. At the end of the first chapter, there's this bit where it's like the treehouse started to spin and then it spun faster and faster and then everything was still absolutely still. I still remember the refrain because the girls would say it with me over and over and it would feel so exciting. So I said, we need something like that. He said, okay, we need a refrain. So at the end of every day, there's this refrain that says... Um, you know, even when it was hard, you know, even when Joseph was far away from home, 
you know, God was going to be there. And, and so Joseph and his family started to pray, God, when will you come back to stay? And that last line, they say it over and over. Then on December 17th, it switches a little bit and it says, God is coming back to stay. And so and it, that really, in addition to the physical blocks, it builds this anticipation where every, like the kids start screaming it and it start kind of um, getting really excited with it. That's awesome. Uh, that sounds like something a lot of kids could easily get into, like you said, across a wide age range. Uh, but you guys also have some resources that are just for adults. Can you tell us about those? So we kind of took what was successful about uh, Advent Blocks while it was ringing true. Um, people said I'd never... I'd always started something, but I'd never finished it. Mm. Um, but but it, there's this consistency with it that we that we we're so surprised with that people were able to finish and remain consistent throughout all of December. So we kind of reverse engineered that, and so we've started creating other things that help people um, practice their faith, do a spiritual discipline that that maybe they've tried before but they couldn't really be consistent with. Uh, the first one that we did was called Sabbath Box. Um, so the Sabbath box is, it's a beautiful box that hangs on the wall or sits on a, on a shelf. And it has this flipping top that um, when, it faces one way all throughout the week. And it says, um, create and cultivate, reminding us of the good of work. And then on your Sabbath, you flip the box top and it says, stop and enjoy. We're, we're called to stop and enjoy God and all the good things that he has made. And so we wrote a guide that helps that. But it's that cue of just flipping the box top that reminds you on that day, oh, I intend to do this. You almost can't not turn it because it's you know it's supposed to turn, and it's a box so that you can like put your work away in it. And it's very small, um, but it's a way to get people started and to help them remain consistent over a long period of time. Because that's what we feel about spiritual practice in the home is that uh, you know really really high quality moments happen, but they happen when you have a lot of quantity moments where you're kind of doing these small attempts, these small wins that you'll get with engaging with your family and engaging with your family with God. And so just a little bit, if you can get someone started and they remain consistent, it can actually over time provide a really powerful impact on the family. Hey friends, it's March and that means Easter is right around the corner. In fact, Easter is in March this year. It's part of the reason I'm pumped to tell you about one of our sponsors who's got a really special Easter deal. This is a great time to get some new resources to disciple your family. Our friends over at Lithos Kids are having an Easter basket sale. They've got the brand new Little Pilgrims Big Journey complete box set. It's now available. Guys, I can't tell you how much I love this resource. If you don't have it, you need to go check it out. Kids and parents have loved reading about Bunyan's beloved tale of Christian and his adventure to follow the king's path to Celestial City. And now you can get all three books in one box set along with a map and it comes with a coloring book and the whole thing is just 60 bucks. You can use the code FAMILY10 to get 10% off your entire order at Lithos Kids right now. So what a great discipleship opportunity. To find all this, go to lithoskids.com, see all the items in their Easter promo, including their new release, The Parables of Jesus, and the Kingdom of God Bible Storybook. Guys, we love Lithos Kids. You're going to love them too. Go check it out today, lithoskids.com, and remember the promo family 10 to get 10% off your entire order. Hey listeners, we live in a world where anxiety, depression, and weariness seem to be the basic descriptors of our lives. For many of us, our calendars and our plates are overfull, yet our lives still lack joy, but it doesn't have to be this way. 
Jesus invites you to have true and abundant joy that's only found in Him. In John 15, Jesus reveals three very surprising pathways to finding this type of joy. You can discover these pathways in the new book, Overflowing Joy, by author and Bible teacher Tara Dew. This is available at LifeWay.com, and you can save 40% off with the code JOY40. Again, that's J-O-Y, the number four, the number zero, at LifeWay.com. The new book is Overflowing Joy by Tara Dew. Check it out. Yeah, thinking a big picture about Advent for a second, you know, just coming back to just the Advent resources you guys create, it seems like there are a lot of resources that people create, Advent calendars and Advent guides and Advent devotionals. What's so unique about Advent that creates uh, a sense of let's let's get some resources built around this? Yeah, we're a big fan. Like We, we don't think that what we've created here is going to crowd out all the other wonderful things that um, that are out there. And you know, it's, it's funny, some of the folks who are most into Advent blocks tend to do this along with some of the other traditions that they've got going on in their home. So um, we don't think it's competitive at all. But the the one piece that makes it distinct really is the fact that this is a tactile, beautiful thing that sits in the middle of the home. Like Clayton mentioned, we, and I've been part of this too, I've started with really high intentionality to do an Advent thing with my kids and whether it's a daily thing or a weekly thing, we just lose steam as we get closer to, to Christmas. So instead of beating ourselves up about it, what we found, because this is physical and you're looking at the numbers, is that it becomes, in a, in a good sense, kind of addictive. By the time you get to day seven or eight or nine or whatever, you see all of these images on your mantle and then you see the numbers coming after it. So that it's not me, it's not Clayton that is keeping us on pace here at that point it's my daughter saying oh my god dad dad it's december 10th and i we didn't we got to turn the number it's almost this panic she's like we got to get that number up there so (laughs) that's the piece that makes it distinct and what what it offers i think uniquely in the midst of other resources something else i love about advent adam is and i think we've talked about this in the past it's such an easy season to start family discipleship or to return to it if you've taken a break, a break or a hiatus, or if you just fallen out of the good habit of reading scripture and meeting with your family uh, centered around God. And so I think that for our families who are looking for to start a new routine or rhythm of family discipleship, Advent is such a, that's why it's so unique is because it's, we're already, we have time together as a family that we're setting aside to, to do Christmas things. And so to build a rhythm that then we can launch into the new year with, um, is one of the reasons I love Advent and love all the resources around it because it really does kind of kickstart families or remind families of what we're called to do. Um, you guys also have a similar resource for Easter, right? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's called it's called Easter Blocks. Uh, I think Chris's writing in that was is, is maybe even better. It's just focused on Holy Week. It's Sunday to Sunday, Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday. There's this. It's kind of a little bit more like a puzzle. There's a candle in there. On 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 Good Friday, you cover it with a cloth. And it stays covered in that black cloth for the whole weekend. It really kind of kind of draws an attention to the to the center of the home. We we encourage you to put it on a on a table, uh, and then on Easter Sunday you take off that cloth, you dump everything out, and there's this huge um, this um, this reveal again on the bottom of the the tray that says Christ is risen. He is he is risen indeed. But I I agree with what you were saying, Cassie, about the seasonality of the year. You know, we can, uh, I read this book a while back. It's called When. Uh, W-H-E-N. I, I don't remember who wrote it, so I apologize. Um, <clears throat> not a Christian author, but 
talks a lot about the 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 psychology of when uh, it is a good time to start things, uh, when it is a good time to stop things. Uh, you're, it, it makes the case that you're much more likely to start and continue a habit if you if you do it like on, if you start on March first rather than March seventh. Because there's something intuitive about about your mind that when you are starting a new month, that's a good opportunity to start a new habit because things are new. This is why don't try to, you know, um, people do New Year's resolutions on January 1st and, and we all quit them by the end of January, right? Which I actually try to suggest to people that you should start your New Year's resolutions on February 1st. Um, but, but either way, any kind of first is a really good time. We all know that summer is a little bit of a different season. The, the school year kind of kicks off the fall. We see that in church attendance. The church has the church calendar, like liturgical calendar kind of takes advantage of this. That's back to what Adam's question was initially. I think that there's that we need to actually listen to the seasonality and like take the momentum with our families and ride that momentum. That's a good thing. That's not, I mean, rather than trying to kind of force our way to do, to do something different when it's not going to be as easy. That's why I think when Advent comes, it's like, there's lights everywhere. There's people are singing. Some people are coming back to church, you know, kind of hit that November, December, like, let's go do the church thing or let's figure out a service we're going to go to on Christmas Eve. So they kind of got those leanings. So that's why I think it's great that there's so many resources around this time because the likelihood that mom or dad is going to be like, you know what, maybe I'll read something, you know, because this is supposed to be about Jesus. Man, let's like flood the the world with resources to take uh, the advantage of discipleship that can happen of adults and families during that season. And yeah, I mean, we, we do it at Easter as well, because that's another moment. And um, we're, we're kind of continuing to look at other op- opportunities as well. We actually, on our podcast, we talk about uh, random holidays. You know how there's like a thousand random holidays for oh, every yeah. day, like cookie day, cupcake day, or like, you know, oh, say, yeah. hey, like lay in the sun day or whatever it is. We like to talk about those because even some of those things can kind of like t- capture a moment and you can take that, be a little bit intentional with it, and have a beautiful, beautiful moment with your family. A Groundhog's Day resource is really what the church needs yes. right now. If you think about it, Clayton, think about it. February 2nd, it's kind of beginning of a month. Yeah. Let's go. I'm Let's writing go. that down. Right. Groundhog's resolutions. Think about do you, it. Do you guys also, as your families are within your church, observe like Epiphany, Pentecost? Like ordinary, like are you like full church calendar people or? So not not in the church that I, Kristen and I attend the same church and not in the church oh. that we attend, but I would say that we are certainly interested, right? I mean, we're, and I, I do know uh, some churches um, around me, some church leaders. One of my jobs is to help support church planters around the country. And some of those church plants that I support are, are leaning more in into that, tra- those types of traditions and celebrations. I, I think there is, a significant amount of power in um, year-over-year um, rhythms that kind of build into your life uh, in mm-hmm. terms of orienting your life to the story that God's telling and not just the story that the commercials that we see are telling. Yeah. 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 Speaking of rhythms, uh, we see commands all over Scripture where we are reminded to practice gratitude, to offer thanks. Um, and so it looks like there's something on your website, speaking of gratitude, called the Gratacube. Can you tell us about that? That's some good branding. <laughs> Thank you. Gratacube. <laughs> yeah, we came up with this almost by accident. Um, and, you know, if, if you want Gratacube, Thanksgiving, this would be a wonderful thing. It's actually quite seasonal, but it's not exactly, it's not going to fill the void you guys want 
for, you know, for instance, in Clayton's yard, because like Clayton needs to just go ahead and get an eight foot inflatable <laughs> turkey. That's I think what everybody it needs to come away from this <laughs> saying. But the, the gratitude was just a, a thing we introduced to try to kind of spice up uh, dinnertime conversations and, and add a little bit more intentionality to it. To be clear, it is not, in fact, a cube. It has 12 sides, which makes it a, a dodecahedron. And um, we thought about calling it a th- thankahecahedron. Ah, uh, it doesn't have the same ring to it. We, we, we fumbled around with trying to figure out what, uh, what exactly they call it. So anyway, Gratacube, the idea is, is relatively simple. There's a lot in our lives we could be grateful for, and we need to be queued up for it. Uh, we need to kind of have the right perspective. So on this thing, we've just got 12 different items that are opportunities for us to look to God and say, hey, thanks for that. And some are really small and some are really like kind of big and profound. So you could get something like the character of God. Thank you, God, for your patience. Or you could get something small like, this is my kid's favorite, food. They roll it over and over again until they can get food. And then they just shout, macaroni and cheese. <laughs> so it's fun. It's it's simple. Um, and I, I'm i glad we kind of stumbled onto it. Yeah, it, families are using it like at dinner time. That's what our family does. Uh, I have one friend who uses it at bedtime. You know, there's the kind of like the high-low or rose thorn. There's a couple of different ways that people do it it can get a little bit monotonous. And we kind of felt that where it's like, it was the same thing I was thankful for every day or, or the, the same low was, was the same. And so this provides a little bit of variety to that. And then unbeknownst to us, we didn't even anticipate this, but we've had churches start buying them and giving them to their small group leaders as icebreakers. Hmm. So like it actually ends up working in, in that type of setting as well. Um, and we didn't intend, but we absolutely love that that is, that that is the case that people are kind of sharing it because it, it actually still functions as a high-low type of device because you can be grateful. Actually, one of the sides is a difficult time. And so you can be grateful for how God was with you or how someone helped you in a difficult time. So you still get like a richness and kind of breadth of stories, but it helps you kind of posture yourself towards gratefulness for how God was with you or how someone cared for you in the midst of uh, whatever story you're telling. So it's super fun. What I love about what you guys are doing is it sounds like a couple of dads who are friends who are attending the same church just going, you know what, I had an idea, and an idea that like serves my family to help them uh, lead them towards Jesus, taking a season to start a tradition that hopefully is not just a seasonal tradition, but a, a method of discipling your kids that creates kind of a uh, excitement around it that also makes it a little bit easier to disciple your kids every day, no matter whether you're on a holiday or not. And that you guys took those ideas and ran with them and said, how can we take the skills God gave us and bless not only our families, but other families? And I love that. I wish uh, we could see more families, more dads just going, how can I take the gifts God has given me in woodworking or in writing? Or even you guys are entrepreneurs just saying, like, how do I start something that really develops family discipleship? So I'm, I'm so grateful for you guys and the time you guys have put into these. If you guys haven't gone to the website yet, the, the stuff you guys create is beautiful. Like, it's aesthetically really, really sharp-looking stuff. It's beautiful. But before we let you go, we love it. If you guys would give us a chance, the best gift we can give you guys is having our listeners pray for you. So maybe starting with Clayton and then Chris. Clayton, could you tell us how our listeners can be praying for the Green family? What's going on with you guys that we can pray for? Yeah, so, I mean, we're in a new home, uh, and we are beginning to engage with our neighbors. Back to Thanksgiving, our family does a turkey trot every year where we get out and we run. Uh, And so we're going to go litter mailboxes 
and invite people to join us on the turkey trot so we can begin engaging with our neighbors. I, I think that would be the most time sensitive kind of right now kind of thing that's going on in our lives that we, we hope that that's fruitful for our relationships um, uh, with believers and non-believers in our new neighborhood. It's good. Yeah. And I would love uh, some prayer for you know my family and uh, the, the upcoming season. It, the irony of what Clayton and I are doing is that, be, like you said, Adam, this is just us trying to trying to do some good discipleship with our kids. But uh, this could be a really busy time for us, and we can actually lose the focus that we started with. And I, I want us, I want us to to double down on doing this for primarily for the little people who live in our home. And um, as trite as it sounds, not not letting the Christmas season rush by without having those moments to to center everything on Jesus the way we want. That's great. Thank you so much for inviting us into praying for your families and uh, the ideas you guys have shared with each other and then shared with the world about how to lead our families towards Jesus. I love the work you guys are doing. Listeners, if you want to know more about Clayton and Chris and the work they've done, you can check them out online at goodkind.shop. That's G-O-O-D-K-I-N-D dot shop. I also found them just by searching Advent Blocks. I used uh, a website called Google.com and then typed in Advent Blocks, and it took me right to them. So you can find Clayton and Chris there and see all the incredible work they're doing. Clayton and Chris, thank you so much for the time today. Thanks for having us. Well, thanks for listening, friends. If you think it's as important as we do to disciple our families, please uh, help us out. Give us a great review wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit one of our sponsors. Share this episode with one of your friends. And if you want to keep up with us, you can join the conversation. Uh, by following us on Instagram and Facebook. We love you, listeners. Looking forward to all God has for us uh, as we enter the holiday season, and we will see you next week.